You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Thank you so much for being here. It it really is an honor that you are here and that you would come to hear God's word. And that's what I plan to preach to you tonight or this morning. Not my, not my opinion, not my, not my ideas, but what God's word says. And I want you to think as we're reading these passages, where am I in this? The passages we are about to read might seem disconnected, might seem old-fashioned, might seem a little ancient, might seem maybe like it doesn't apply to us anymore, but it does. We're about to read about a passage with, regarding animals and sacrifices and all those different things, but it's not a passage about animals and sacrifices. It's a passage about you, and it's a passage about our Savior. It's in Exodus chapter 34. There's a couple places we'll go. We'll start in Exodus chapter 34. Let's stand once we've found it. And we're in verse 19, Exodus 34, 19. All right. The first sentence, all that openeth the matrix is mine. All right. Hang on. We'll explain that in a bit. Okay. We'll explain that in a bit. It's not what you think it is. And every firstling among thy cattle, whether ox or sheep, that is male... Um, basically, it is mine. It is mine, right? Verse 20, but the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou redeem him not, then thou shalt break his neck. All the firstborn of thy sons shalt thou redeem, and none shall appear before me empty. Look kind of interesting, isn't it? We'll get a little bit more information in Exodus chapter 13. So let's turn back there. This is actually the second time that the Lord brings this teaching out. Let's look at the first time. He gives a little bit more information in Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 1. you look in Exodus chapter 12, that is the last plague. That is when the Lord delivers the Israelites from the Egyptians. And now we come into Exodus 13 and he says, and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Set apart is what sanctify means. Unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, It is mine. He goes on a a little tangent between 3 and 10. Let's go to verse 11. He comes back to this thought in verse 11. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear unto thee and to thy fathers, and shall give it thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and everything, I'm sorry, every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast. The males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb, and if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. 
And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. And, when, and, and it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what is this? You know how your children go into that why stage? Why do we do this? Why is this? Why is, that? Why is the sky blue? And all that. So one day your, your boy is going to come up to you, or, or your offspring is going to come up to you and say, why are we doing this? And here is your answer. Thou shalt say unto him, By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon thine hand and for frontlets between thine eyes. What it's saying is this is a way to remember what happened in Egypt. This is a way to remember my deliverance. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. Does anyone see yourself in those verses? I'll explain it. Heavenly Father, bless the preaching of your word and let it come forth clearly and boldly. If there is anyone here that does not know you as Savior, please let them come to a conviction of their sin through your Holy Spirit and let them trust in you today. Let them not put it off. Help them to understand that a divine appointment is not guaranteed tomorrow, that today is the time that you work. As Christians, as believers, let us not put off whatever you teach us today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Somebody asked me the, bless you. Somebody asked me a couple weeks ago, how do you study your Bible? That's a deep question, and it requires an even deeper answer. But I think the, the simplest answer I can give is this. When you are reading your Bible, if you want to go from reading your Bible to studying your Bible, there's many different questions that you can ask, but these are the simplest ones. First of all, you need to ask, what is this passage revealing about God and his character? And then you need to ask, what is this passage revealing about man as a whole? And then you ask yourself, therefore, what does it reveal about me? And if you ask yourself those three questions, you can start studying your Bible in a very simple way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that reveal about God? What does that reveal about man? What does that reveal about me? And you can answer those questions and start going deeper from there. And these passages that we just read in Exodus 34 and in Exodus 13 reveal something. They reveal something about God, they reveal something about man, and they reveal something about me personally and you personally. And the final stage of the message is to show you, to teach you what it reveals about God, man, and yourself. But before we get to that, we have to do the first stages. So the first 30 stages of the message are, I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. <laughs> Chill out. So stage number one is this. We, I, I need to explain the law of the firstborn. And it's all there in the verses that we read, but let's take a little time to make sure that we understand it's very important. Stage number two, I then want to dig in a little deeper and I want to investigate the three main scenarios that people would run into in keeping the law of the firstborn. There's three main scenarios. A couple of them are problematic, but the Lord provides a solution in every, sing in every single scenario. 
Stage number three, I want to question a specific scenario that God brings out twice. And then we can get to our final stage about what that means and what it reveals about God, man, and you, me. So first of all, stage number one, explaining the law of the firstborn. And what we see is that God delivered Israel from Egypt, and he did so through 10 plagues. The final plague, Moses goes up to the Egyptians and the Israelites, and he gives a warning. And he says this, an angel is going to pass through tonight, and he is going to slay the firstborn the firstborn male in every family and the firstborn male of every beast unless you follow these provisions. And the provision was you, you were to sacrifice a lamb. And an Egyptian could do this or an Israelite could do this. Anybody could do this. You could sacrifice a lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and strike it on the post of the door. You ate it in a certain way. You cooked it in a certain way. You slew it in a certain way. And there was even provision for someone who couldn't afford a lamb. Somebody else would provide a lamb for them. Really, oh, man, there's so much preaching in this. It's really, really cool. But... You take the lamb and you strike the blood on the doorposts and, the, and God says this, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen. Now, they're delivered. That has happened. The Egyptians, from what we read, not one of them, not one of them followed God's word. And so their firstborn were slain of man and beast. And when that happened, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh got up and he, they said you could hear from miles away the wailing of the mothers and the, the parents. And he said, get out. Get out of here. Go worship your God, but leave us alone. And so they left. And God says, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember how I delivered you from slavery and from bondage. And here's how you're going to remember. The firstborn male of man or beast belongs to me. Okay? They belong to me. You are going to sanctify them to me. It's a way, that all, all that openeth the matrix. Okay, let's, let's explain it. All right. Have you, um, okay, mater, mater, where we get M-A-T-E-R, where we get our word mother. Maternal, maternity, matriarch. How about this? Have you ever heard my alma mater? That's generous mother. Okay, that's what that means. My alma mater, my, my college. So all that openeth the matrix. All, all that comes forth from woman. The, the firstborn male that comes forth from woman belongs to me. Now, let's investigate stage number two. That was a quick stage. Let's hope all stages go that quickly. It's just that you're listening so intently. It's easy. Stage number two, let's investigate the three main scenarios that people are going to run into if they're going to keep this law. Scenario number one is the firstborn male clean animal. And you can read in Leviticus chapter 11. You can read in Deuteronomy chapter 14. You can even go all the way back to Genesis chapter 7 where the Lord says there are clean animals and there are unclean animals. And there's different distinctions of what makes an animal clean and what makes an animal unclean. But here's the main spiritual difference. A clean animal could be sacrificed to the Lord. It could be accepted as a sacrifice. An unclean animal could not be accepted of the Lord as a sacrifice. 
So there is a distinction between the clean and the unclean. And the main spiritual distinction is that one can be offered as, an, as a sacrifice and one could not. The simple answer to keep the law of the firstborn with a firstborn male clean animal is it is to be sacrificed in the temple. Simple, simple, right? Scenario number two, where it gets a little problematic. The firstborn male human. Okay, what do we do with... Uh, and, and the Lord says, I, okay, they belong to me. That is the law. The law of the firstborn male is that he belongs to me. But God isn't going to require human sacrifice. That was a heathen practice. That's not God's practice. So what are we supposed to do? Because they still belong to God, but not, God isn't saying put them on an altar and sacrifice them. You can read in Numbers chapter 3 where God makes this provision. We could turn there if we wanted, but I think you're following. Numbers chapter 3 says this. Instead of sacrificing all the firstborn male humans, I don't want to sacrifice, but I, I, I need servants. Okay, I need servants that will serve in my tabernacle. Now, instead, there were 12 tribes in Israel, right? Instead of taking the firstborn male human from each of the 12 tribes whenever they were born, I choose the tribe of Levi, all the males from the tribe of Levi. And the, the males from the tribe of Levi are going to redeem are going to stand in place. They are going to substitute in the place of all the other tribes. And what he says is, so let's say that the tribe of Judah had a firstborn male son. Instead of taking him to the tabernacle and having him serve, and instead of sacrificing him on an altar, the Lord said, the Levite has taken your place. A Levite has taken his place. A Levite has redeemed your son. Bring five shekels of silver to the tabernacle to support the Levites as a way of saying thank you for redeeming my boy. Now, some people might say at this point, it seems a little unfair. It seems a little obnoxious. It seems a little cruel. It seems like slavery to me. God is saying, I, I, I own you and you are going to serve me. And, and you can read... <laughs> You can read even commentaries that are like this this seems like a little bit of a strange practice. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's think about this for just a moment here, okay? God had delivered these people from bondage and slavery. He had delivered them from bondage and slavery. And the reason I took you to Exodus 13 and Exodus 34 when he says the same thing twice is because something really significant happens between Exodus 13 and Exodus 34. Exodus 13, God delivers them and he says, I want to go into a relationship with you. I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. And they say, yes, sir, that's fantastic. We're going to do whatever you tell us to do. And so he gives them 10 commandments to, to follow and, and they break it immediately. They start worshiping other idols in Exodus chapter 31, 32, 32. So God has chosen these people. He has delivered these people. And then these people deliberately rejected him. They deliberately said, we do not want to worship you. We want to worship our own way and we want to worship our own gods. And God at that point said, they all deserve to die, Moses. You realize that. Step out of the way. Let me wipe them out and I'm going to start again with you. 
God had every right to do that. He had every right to do that. Moses interceded and said, please forgive them. And God said, I will forgive them. But here's the, so if you want to say that God is cruel for choosing the firstborn, first of all, he delivered all of them. He could have said, all of you are mine. But he said, just the firstborn, because I want you to remember how I did it with the firstborn. If you want to say that God is cruel by doing that, you need to remember God forgave them and provided a way for them to atone for their sin through sacrifices. And so he said, uh, the sacrifices are the firstborn male clean animals. Well, how cruel of God. Wait a second. You understand that if God is going to require firstborn male animals, he's got to provide firstborn male animals. God never requires what he will not provide. So in, in God saying, every time there's a firstborn male, isn't he also implying in there, I'm going to make sure that you have a constant supply here. Yep. He doesn't say when you have a, a mama sheep and a daddy sheep, every other one is mine. Because at that point, it's just providing one mommy and daddy. But if he says every single new male from a new family, he's saying, I'm going to provide family after family after family after family after family after family after family. And just the firstborn. Male. That's the one that I want. So if you want to say God is cruel, you need to remember whatever God requires, he will provide for. But then also, also he, so he, he provides a way for them through the sacrifices. And then he says this, I'm going to provide the sacrifices. And then I'm choosing one tribe to oversee the sacrifices. Seems very merciful to me. Seems very fair to me. So you have scenario number one, the clean firstborn male animal. They are sacrificed. The, the firstborn male human has been redeemed by the tribe of Levi. If you're in the tribe of Levi, you get to serve in my tabernacle. If you're not in the tribe of Levi, bring five shekels of silver for every firstborn male and thank the Levites for, rede for redeeming your son. Scenario number three. The firstborn male unclean animal still belonged to God, still belonged to God, but it was unacceptable as a sacrifice, unacceptable as an offering. So what are we to do? You can read in Numbers chapter 18, but you don't have to go anywhere. It's, it's right in here. The Bible says that an unclean animal could be redeemed did I explain what redeem means? Buy back, to, to purchase, okay, to purchase again. So as far as the human is concerned, the, the question is, well, buy back with what? Purchase, purchase again with what? Well, with the Levite. A Levite will redeem it. Now we need to ask, if we're going to redeem an unclean animal, what do we redeem it with? And here's where we have to look into one specific scenario that God gives twice. A donkey. He brings up a donkey twice. And he's, he says this in Exodus 13, 13, and then in Exodus 34, 20. He says this, The firstborn male donkey thou shalt redeem with a lamb. What he's teaching is if a clean lamb is substituted for the unclean donkey, the donkey can live. 
Some of you are following already, right? 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 It's really cool, right? Okay, well, some of you are still, what's with the donkey? You're the donkey. You're the donkey, okay? Spoiler alert, you're the donkey. Jesus is the lamb. Let's go back. Just ignore that I said that and act surprised when I reveal it later, okay? God says unclean animals cannot be accepted. Here's the provision. If a clean lamb is substituted for it, you can buy back the donkey. The donkey can live. If thou will not redeem it, thou shalt break its neck. If a clean lamb is not substituted for the donkey, the donkey has to die. How cruel of God to kill the donkey. Wait, wait, wait. God provided a way for the donkey to live. Okay? He did not say, as soon as that donkey comes out, kill it. He said, no, no, I'll provide a way. I will provide a way for it to live. If something is sacrificed in, in, in its stead, a clean lamb is sacrificed in its stead. God provided a way for it to live. If the donkey died, whether the donkey lived or died was up to the owner, not up to God. He said, if thou wilt not redeem it, thou shalt break its neck. Your choice as the owner. All right, now it's going to get good. Now it's going to get good. So stage number three, we have to ask. I have to ask. I, I, I asked. Why would an owner replace, why, why would an owner sacrifice a lamb so that a donkey could live? Okay, why... <laughs> Here's the answer that I, that, that, that I can think of, okay? Because if you look back at their time and their age, a lamb was better than a donkey. In many ways, a lamb is better than a donkey. You can eat the lamb. You can't eat a donkey. You can, you can sacrifice a lamb for multiple reasons. You can't do that with a donkey. So why would an owner choose to let the donkey live and sacrifice a lamb. And here's the only thing I can think of. If the owner had a purpose for the donkey. If the owner didn't have a purpose for the donkey, let the donkey die. Especially if it's going to cost you a lamb in order to let it live. But if the owner said, you know, I could use this. This could help me. God provided a way for the donkey to live. Here's the title of my message. The lamb changes everything. The lamb changes everything. Okay. Now, since you are following along so well, I don't know that I need to go further into explanation. I think we might be able to go through to stage number four. Okay? What does this passage reveal about God? What does this passage reveal about man? And what does this passage reveal about me and you specifically? Here's the first thing I think it reveals. We all belong to God. We all belong to him. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the sea and all that dwell therein. Okay? I'm sorry, the world and all that dwell therein. Revelation 4.11, talking to Jesus. 
thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We all belong to God. Here's the second thing that this passage teaches. Though we belong to him, we are unclean. And therefore, we're unacceptable to him. We're unacceptable. Isaiah chapter 64 says this. We are all as an unclean thing. And our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There's a really disgusting description of what filthy rags means. It is the most vile thing. It is disgusting. It's rancid. Good for nothing. Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. If even the best part of us is rancid to God, what is the worst part of us? People want to say, I'm a pretty good person. You realize that even your goodness, first of all, the Bible says there is none good. There's none good, no, not one. Not according to God's standard. If you're comparing yourself to somebody else, that is like, how do I illustrate? Um, Miss, Miss Brittany, could you stand up? Could you stand up? Not to embarrass you, but to embarrass you. And then Miss Becky, could you stand up? Okay. Miss Becky stands up and says, my sweater is white. And Brittany says, my sweater is white. Now, who's right? Well, both of you are wrong. <laughs> But Brittany will say, mine is whiter than Becky's. Okay, sure. But it still ain't white, Miss Brittany. Okay, so we have sinners looking at each other, and I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Miss Becky says, I'm a pretty good person. And Miss Brittany says, I'm a pretty good person. And you're both wrong, okay? You're both wrong. But Miss Brittany might be able to look at Miss Becky and say, well, I'm better than her. Okay, you might. You might be able to say that. Miss Mercy, could you stand up, please? You're Jesus. Then, <laughs> then the Lord stands up and says, I'm white. And now when you compare, now when you compare, you're not even close to white, lady. And neither are you. So what you're going to do is you're going to ignore her I'm going to ignore your standard, and I'm just going to compare myself to other people. You can do that all you want. You can do that all you want, but you're both wrong. Thank you. You may, you may be seated. So, though we belong to God, we are unclean. We're unclean. And if you want to say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, okay, you're not as bad as so-and-so. Congratulations. We need to look at what the Lord's standard is. And the Lord's standard is he is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That's who we need to compare ourselves to. And when we compare ourselves to that, we're not even close, guys. We are not even close, and therefore we are unacceptable in his sight. Here's the next thing that we learn then. We are doomed to die. The unclean is doomed to die because of our uncleanliness. And not just physical death, but spiritual death. For the wages of sin is death, right? But then you go to Revelation and it talks about this as the second death. All right, it's not just physical death, but spiritual death. Death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. 
We are sinners and therefore we are unclean. And because we are unclean, we are unacceptable. Because we are unacceptable, there's only one other alternative. And, and remember, sinner, remember, sinner. And I don't call you that because I'm looking down at you. I'm looking right back at myself. We are all sinners. Remember, sinners, our inability to approach God, our inability to be accepted by God is not because of him. It's because we chose to sin. We chose to say it. We chose to do it. We chose to watch it. We chose to listen to it. We chose to perpetuate it. We chose to think it. We chose to neglect it. We chose to withhold it. We chose. God made us upright. We sought out our own inventions. The separation between God and us is not because God's saying, I never wanted anything to do with you. He made us so that we could have a relationship, but we chose sin instead of him. And he could have looked down and said, you are unclean, break its neck. I'm getting ahead of myself. We are doomed. We are doomed. We are doomed as unclean creatures in God's sight. Unless, unless two conditions are met. We are doomed to die unless our owner has a purpose for us. If he doesn't have a purpose for us, let it die, especially if it costs a lamb to keep it alive. But if our owner looks down at us and says, you know, I can use him. I can use her. I see a plan. And you know the Bible says before you were even born, sir, and before you were even born, ma'am, God knew exactly what he wanted you to be. He knew exactly who he wanted you to be. He has a will and a plan and a purpose for you. Sin done messed it up, but he had a plan for you. He has a plan for you. As long as you can do this, he's got a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And that purpose is, he says this in Deuteronomy when he's first introducing himself and his way to humans, he says this, I want you to live long upon the earth. I want you to prosper on the earth. I want you to live well. Honor thy father and mother that thy days may be long upon the earth and that it may be well with thee. I want you to enjoy your life by having a relationship with me. By being close to me. By letting me undo what sin did. We are doomed unless our owner has a purpose for us. And he does. He does. When he could have looked down and said, kill it. He said, no, hang on. I've got a purpose. But we are still doomed. We're still doomed unless the second condition is met. Unless the owner is willing to sacrifice a lamb in your place. And he was. Yes, yep. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. Talking about Jesus Christ, our Savior. We are doomed unless he has a purpose. And we are doomed unless he is willing to give up a lamb so that we can live. Amen. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you, sir, God so loved you, ma'am, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life so that you could live. Jesus died. You need to start right here in your doctrine. You need to start. Nobody else lives a life of faith without starting right here at this point. Jesus died in my place so that you could live. The lamb died so that you could enjoy God's presence. The lamb was rejected and, and the Lord turned his back on his son. So that you could be received, the lamb said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So that you could come close, the lamb was pushed away. So that you could be eject, uh, accepted by God, the lamb was rejected by man. And so that you could live forever, the lamb died. The lamb died in your place. Why did Jesus have to do what he did? Why, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Because God looked down and saw a bunch of unclean people that deserve death. But he said, I don't want them to die. I have a purpose for them. And Jesus stepped in and said, I'll go. And he said, son, if you go, that changes everything. That will change everything. If the clean is willing to die for the unclean. And he did. Now here's, here's the last thing. Here's the last thing this passage reveals. If we will not accept redemption, we must die. Well, how cruel of God to send people to hell. Stop. How merciful of God to send his son. God doesn't send people to hell. He sent his son so that we might live. How cruel of people to reject the Son. Charles Spurgeon said of this passage, preaching to his people, though I love you with all my heart, and though I wish nothing but the best for you, I must say that if you reject such redemption, you deserve you deserve to die. People don't go to hell because God rejected them. People go to hell because they rejected God. What a gift. When God could have said, just break its neck. He gave his only begotten son in our place. There was a man, from what I understand, this started off as a true story and it branched off into a centuries-old game of telephone. You know how it is. But the story goes like this. He was a, he worked for a train company, a, a transit logistics company a long time ago. And he oversaw a bridge crossing. And he brought his boy with him to work, as he usually did, as he often did. And in his station, wasn't very big, maybe eight feet by eight feet, he had a radio, he had a stool, he had a workbench, and he had a switch. The switch to put the bridge down and to bring the bridge up. 
there was a train scheduled to come through. And every train, you know how trains are, they're not always on schedule. Sometimes they're late, sometimes they're ahead. Every train knew you are required to radio ahead to this man when you reach a certain point to let him know. Running ahead of schedule, running behind schedule, but I'm here at this point, and it gives him plenty of time to hit the button, lower the bridge, very easy. One day he's just tending to usual maintenance things and he hears something that he's not expecting. No radio call had come through. The train was running ahead of schedule and he heard it and if he heard it, that means there's not a lot of time to get that bridge down. And he went to press the button and realized he didn't know where his boy was. And to his horror, he looked. The bridge comes up like this, and when it comes up, it reveals a little space where when the bridge is down, it's, it's completely flush, but when it's up, you can crawl underneath there. And from his station, he saw his boy underneath there. No time to call out, no time to run and get him. Keep the bridge up. All the people in the passenger train die. Put the bridge down and my boy dies. In the few moments he had to think, he sacrificed his son, pressed the button, bridge came down. He radioed to the train conductor and said, you were supposed to, you were supposed to tell me and because you didn't, because you disobeyed, my boy had to die. Could you imagine if that train conductor would have come back and said, well, too bad. How cruel would you have to be to look back and say, well, sorry. Sorry I didn't call out. Glad we lived and your boy died. What do you think that train conductor should say? How do you think he should feel that because of my mistake, because of my disobedience, because of my negligence, this man's boy had to die? How do you think he should feel? How do you think we should feel when because of our disobedience and our negligence, God's son had to die? And so many people look back and say, oh, well. And then we get upset that God, that God will give the people what they want and let them go to hell. Don't get mad at God. God does not send people to hell. He provided a way. He provided a way. God did not want that donkey to die. He provided a way for it to be cleansed. If the owner rejected the redemption, that was on the owner. If you reject his redemption, that's on you. So what are we supposed to do? Accept it. Believe it. Trust in it. Say, Lord, thank you that when I was condemned to die, you stood in my place. 
The people who go to heaven are not clean. They are simply unclean people who have accepted the sacrifice in their place. And I invite you, if you are saved, to do simply what God said. Remember, remember, don't forget. Let it be a token between your eyes, a frontlet between your eyes and a token always before you that the only reason you are alive is because the innocent died in your place. The only reason we have a place being prepared for us is because Jesus left that place to come down here. And the next thing I would say, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, he died for you too. He died for you too. And you can accept him today. Do you remember a time when you accepted him? If you do, never forget that day. And never forget to thank the Lord, especially during this time, for the incredible gift that he gave to us. If you've never accepted, today's your day. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.